Hey everybody, it is uh, a lovely Thursday night and um, I'm glad you could tune in. I understand that uh, shortly maybe the governor's going to be making a statement of uh, shelter in place. Um, and uh, we saw this coming for a number of days as the governor's been hinting to that. Um, we know that it's already been enforced up in San Francisco and a couple of other northern counties. Uh, but we're, we're going to see uh, what the governor's going to put forward. And more than likely, it's going to be a shelter in place. Uh, we'll wait to hear the details. Um, California is uh, responding to this mm, a little more severe than other states. Um, and we're going to honor those in authority and operate in that capacity. Um, and we'll, we'll, just, we'll just do as we're required to do and uh, take care of our families. So we've been enjoying quiet time. Uh, my family has been uh, doing all kinds of things indoors. Uh, this is the only event where I think, uh, and I'll explain who's next to me in a minute, but this is the only time, I think, where we're going to be able to say to generations to come, we saved America not by storming the beaches of Normandy. We saved America by staying inside and laying around. And that's a pretty remarkable accomplishment for our generation. Uh, with me tonight is Dr. Robin Evans. He's a member of our congregation. Some of you have seen him before. He's a really cool dude. And um, we had the chance uh, before it was a shelter in place kind of thing. Uh, we had a chance to go to lunch together and I had the privilege to hear Dr. Robbins. Uh, I'm just going to call you Robin. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah. All right. That's the deal. You got to hold yeah, that up oh, there. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, I had a chance to get to know him. He, he is like me, a father of five, although his children are 17 to seven. Yeah, that's right. Ten, ten years difference. His wife is Heidi and they moved here ex almost exactly a year ago. Uh, almost exactly a year. Yep. So they moved here from uh, Vancouver, um, in Canada. He's Canadian. You're going to catch that when he says house. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he moved here from Canada with his family to start a practice here. Um, and actually, they hadn't had their car shipped down, so he had a rental. And uh, they needed to just find a place for the family to go to church. And they actually moved into Dos Vientos and walked to the church. And it was a match made in heaven. We've been friends ever since. Uh, he is a, a remarkable surgeon. And we'll get to that momentarily. And then uh, Robin's going to field some questions from all of you tonight in regards to just medical concerns uh, that you might have. Um, and then at the end, we'll have a, a brief study of Psalm 49. Uh, Psalm 49, this is, this is my morning devotion. It's Psalms and Proverbs broken into 31 segments. And uh, Psalm 49 was the one that really ministered to me this morning. And I'm gonna, I pray it'll do the same for you. Um, but I'm going to ask Robin about his testimony. But before I do that, I wanted to read you... Um, some very interesting words that were written back in the 1600s by Martin Luther. And this will tie in because uh, you came to Christ in a German Lutheran church. <laughs> Amen. Right. Amen. So Martin Luther wrote these um, in the 1600s when they were facing uh, the plague throughout Europe and people were dying. And he wrote this. He said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. This I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order, to, in order not to become contaminated and thus pensions inflict and pollute others and so cause their death uh, as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. 
If my neighbors need me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolheartedly uh, and does not tempt God. The idea is we, um, we do as instructed, but we also make sure that the folks that can't get food, and especially if we have a stay-in-place order, um, a shelter-in-place order by the governor, there's going to be some, some needs out there, and we as a church are going to meet those needs. And so we don't stop being the body of Christ. Uh, we're going to be meeting like this, but we'll still be that entity within the community to minister to those in need. And so tonight, um, part of that ministry, I was, I was blessed because uh, uh, I asked you your testimony, Robin, and um, your, your dad was a famous musician. Your mom taught philosophy. Um, you were an only child. Your parents were kind of hipsters. They were crazy people. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's it. I, I think that's, that's, that's a great summary. And, 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 and they, there was no faith in the home? No, uh, I mean, my grandparents actually were extremely strong and devout Christians. They were, oh, oh, oh. were devout. There devout. it is, Canadian. Yeah, they, I, I mean, they, they really were an example for me, um, really for my entire life. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, within, within our home, it was, it was a different matter. It, sure. You don't remember reading the Bible or praying or anything like that mm, with your folks? No, 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 no. That wouldn't, that was not, that, yeah, no, that wasn't really, um, it was tolerated. My grandparents' faith was tolerated, but it, it certainly wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a big part of our, our, our home. So, so what happens? A young well, kid growing up in this, uh, what do you end yeah. up doing? You, you, you yeah. sowed some oats. What'd you do? Come yeah, on, well, y- you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, unfortunately, when I was a young young boy, my uh, my parents divorced, and uh, being a teenager, that's a that's an incredibly difficult time where you're starting to figure out who you are, what you're about, and really where you're supposed to fit into the world. So, um, I actually ended up dropping out of high school. I um, I, I didn't uh, I really have a mentor or a, a direction, and I basically went from bad to worse. So did you go into a big city and start to sow your oats? Or uh, yeah, you oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up outside of Toronto, so um, you know, I had uh, I had good friends that uh, you know we were known to to party. That's what we did, and um, and we did it really well. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, that's that's really not sustainable. And um, you know, things got worse and worse and worse over time. But all right, so we'll fast forward. Um, Tell me, tell me that this, this wonderful so, gal catches your eye. 100%. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, I'm where I usually would be, which is at a, a party. And uh, I had a friend. At the time, I was, um, I, I, I DJed I, electronic music. Uh, so it's it, liter- literally the song I would play. And um, I actually, you know, had a buddy who had a girlfriend who brought along her friend. And uh, we were at a, it was actually on a Lake, Lake Huron, this beautiful cottage. And I remember looking over and seeing this beautiful, beautiful girl. And I kind of didn't think I had a chance, right? I'm kind of a dorky guy who oh, really... On. Don't tell yourself short. Uh, well, 100%. So I, um, <clears throat> I, I worked up the courage and um, we chatted. And for some reason, she agreed uh, to go on a date with me. So... Uh, this, you know, the, during that time, I, I didn't realize it, but she actually was a Christian. And not only was she a Christian, she had Christian 
friends that she grew up with who were a group of guys that um, are really unlike anyone I've ever met. These, are, these were really Renaissance men, young Renaissance men. They were well-read, they were thoughtful, wow. and, they were, and they had a heart for the Lord. And so we had it out. We literally had it out. We, so you, you started like debating with them about 100%. philosophy, the, uh, the existence of God, everything you could think of? Absolutely. We went right from the beginning of what is truth? Can we even know what's true or what's not true? And if that's true, then, well, where do we fit into this? And right up to who's Jesus? And did he die for me? Like actually me personally? And all this accumulated in basically my, um, of course, if you haven't figured out, this is actually, this is my wife, yeah, Heidi, Heidi. So yeah, right, right, right. I, I got Heidi, you. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, so she, um, yeah, and her dad actually, who is, uh, who actually really came to faith in the Billy Graham movement, was really yeah. where, where he came to faith. German guy, Helmut, who's... Uh, das ist dein Helmut, ja, yeah, sehr gut. Yeah, ein bisschen Deutsch. Yeah, yeah. So um, he, uh, we, we actually accumulated in sitting in his basement and saying the sinner's prayer together. And it was literally, uh, you know, from that very particular moment in my life, um, I was a different person. Now, you, you, you floored me when you told me the very first church you found, uh, obviously, was Heidi's church, or dad's church. Right. And it's a German Lutheran church where they teach in German. Is this correct? In Canada. I mean, can anything get more funky? 100%. Well, I mean, where we grew up was a town called Kitchener, and before the war, it was called Berlin, uh, which... Um, it doesn't work before the which war. Which is uber German, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it really, it was a place in the world that there were so many German immigrants, you could actually live and speak German everywhere. Amazing. Uh, so, and did you know German at the time? No, I knew a little bit. I'd been to Europe, but I, I not in the... Not in this yeah, way. And certainly my biblical German was, was sure, a little right. sketchy. So, yeah. yes, I learned German in, in the Geist. German church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so so you, you get discipled in this German church. You learn German. I do, yeah. And then God gets a hold of your heart. You want to start going back to school. That's correct. So I, um, the question remains, why me? So wh- why pull me out of the party scene in Toronto. Right, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing um, special about me. There's nothing unique. There's, um, he died for me on the cross and he communicated that to me through Heidi and her friends. So w- what's my purpose? Yeah. Uh, what am I going to do with this? Because you, the foundation of your life was revealed as just being sand as we covered last night. And then all right. of a sudden the foundation of the Lord, you want to build on it. And right. Lord, what do you want me to do, right? Right, okay. absolutely. Okay. What would you have me do? So I went back to school. I went back to school. I was the old guy in high school. I had a beard. Like, uh, you know, it was super awkward. Didn't, yeah, I didn't know how to study. And I, I literally started. So it's never too late. Over. It's never too late. And, uh, and it's certainly never too late to learn humility. And that's really what I, what I learned during those days. So you just started nailing it. You told me you started getting straight A's. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, you I just mean, had a penchant for studies that you never had before. Uh, well, 100%. I mean, I always loved to learn. And I, I mean, that, that was part of me. So, uh, but now I had the opportunity. Yeah. And not only did I have the opportunity, I had the Holy Spirit. And not only did I have the Holy Spirit, I had the courage to step into the void and apply it. Yeah. And so I, I was, I mean, uh, you know, not me, him. Amen. Um, unstoppable. So you end, up, you end up not only graduating high school, not only graduating college, you end right. up top of your class in college. Is top, that right? Oh, 100%. Like, perfect. Were you number one? 
Uh, yeah, I was. I got the gold medal and the, well, the you whole and I, nine yards. You, yeah. and Liza, you and I, other than Christ, now have absolutely nothing in common. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, I, I majored in eligibility and slid through. <laughs> yeah, but I graduated. Hey. Uh, all right, so, so now you apply to med school. Absolutely. Yeah, so now I start, uh, you know, I, I get my pick. Um, I, I get to go to the school I really want to go to, which is McMaster University, which is an amazing school. It really allowed me opportunities that I would have never have had otherwise. And so you, you, get, you get the old school uh, doctor training, MD training that, yep. you know, was, was uh, kind of the, the pinnacle of, of med school training. The, uh, absolutely. It, it's almost militaristic in yeah, that, a sense. That's correct. And, and basically when I, when I started, I actually thought it would be a family doc. I'd have, I'm from a small town. I thought I'd go back to that small town actually. And I'd, you know, it'd be cute. Like, I, you know, I'd, no families and how's, yeah. you know, how's Betsy doing? And, sure. and actually when I got into it, I realized it was completely not me. It was 100% not what I should be doing. And actually, it was quite a difficult time because I realized that I actually didn't know what God had in store for me. I had kind of assumed that this would be what I do, but I, I realized it wasn't. So that's when I started to... Tell him. Well, I started to figure it out. And, and really, actually, I had a friend who um, was a cardiac surgery assistant. So I got into the um, doing cardiac surgery, and uh, which is, by the way, Miraculous. Yeah. I, I, there, there really is no other word for it. I mean, if you hold someone's heart, beating heart in your hand, I mean, uh, it just doesn't get more special than that. And to this day, I have a love of it. But I realized that it, that wasn't my calling. And um, actually, I, you know, I started to really enjoy pediatric work. So at the time, we had a young family and kids were a part of my life. And I, I loved, you know, being there for them and, and treating uh, kids and so I ended up actually in Harvard and I did um, a pediatric cardiac surgery elective. Wow! And uh, yeah, through a weird twist of fate, I never ended up doing pediatric cardiac surgery. I ended up being connected with plastic surgeons. Well, so. you you were you became uh, affiliated with plastic surgeons, but you did a number of. I mean, you would you would do reconstructions and long before there was ever anything cosmetic in relation oh, oh, to yeah. your practice. Oh yeah. This is really where you you got all of your understanding. This is where you got oh, yeah. all of your background, your training. Absolutely. I, I mean, there's nothing more beautiful. Uh, and this was a realization I had. I mean, my misconception, even as a medical student, was that plastic surgery is very superficial. It's only about appearance. Um, and and it, kind of the antithesis of why I entered medicine, um, I really did set my face against it and was quite judgmental yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, God has a great sense of humor. And to, so he decided that, actually, I'm going to show you how awesome it is. And I learned. Um, now, you've dealt with cleft palates. You've, you've yeah. dealt with folks that have, you know, had major uh, tumors on their skull where yeah. you've re-assembled <laughs> yeah. that. And, I mean, yeah. I saw some pictures of some of the things you've done. It's <laughs> yeah. just, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, I ended up actually doing a fellowship. I did my plastic reconstructive training, and then I went and did a pediatric fellowship. So I did end up doing pediatric uh, plastic surgery and really the whole gamut of, of plastic surgery. The Lord's been able, you know, really been with me in that. Now, you... You, you come to California, you pick Thousand Oaks because a friend told you about it. Right. But you wanted to get out of Canada because you've got your five kids. Right. You were saying, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's left of Bernie Sanders. 
<laughs> and, and absolutely. you know, it, just these ideas of wanting to raise your family and in a way to have religious freedom, you pursued coming to the United States. Yeah, I, I mean, I really am a political refugee. I, I in in all senses of, of and of, of all churches, you'd end up here. You didn't know anything about us. Nothing. No, absolutely nothing at all. And you and, tell me there's no God. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it doesn't take long. Um, to, to realize that um, it's a losing equation. Yeah. And, you know, being from that and living in it is very, very different. Uh, you know, we, we don't appreciate liberties and freedom in the same way. We don't talk about it the same, and we do not have a visceral understanding of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're blessed to have you here. And, and, you know, God's taken you through a journey where even moving to California has been a real trial for you all, waiting on the Lord but you have, you have not allowed your hands to be idle. You've been ministering all over the county. You've been over in Simi. You just go wherever the need is. And so, first of all, not only are we grateful to have you in the fellowship, but tonight, there are a number of folks out there that, you know, they're, they're reading all kinds of things on the internet. They're, they, they have speculation, doubt, anxiety. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rumor out there. Yeah. Uh, people are trying to get specific answers. So, um, maybe for, first of all, I love what you shared because I've seen two conflicting comments. One is that this virus is not man-made and, and then others are saying it is man-made. And I've been trying to read up on that because the timing and the way it's affected our country and, um, and yet you said something that really kind of settled me, uh, share with everybody if oh, you would. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, I think we live in amazing times because um, I've been very fortunate and blessed to have been given some tools um, to help discern truth. And part of that is my job. I I, I just, that's what I do all day long is I try and determine disease and and the truth of it in order to come up with an appropriate treatment. And, uh, you know, what you were saying about the virus, you know, is it manufactured? Is it engineered? Is it it not? Um, There's really no way to tell. So there's things that we can know. You were saying that a virus isn't, in a sense, a living... Oh, oh yeah. yeah oh, t- I love t- this. Touch on okay, that. Okay, yeah. I love this. Okay, so um, viruses are actually not alive. I mean, uh, there's a shell, and inside that shell is genetic material. But in the biologic sense of the word, they don't have organelles. They do not reproduce by themselves. They only utilize living tissue in order, a living host, in order to, uh, you know, uh, accumulate and reproduce. Um, So, strictly speaking, they're undead. They're not alive. They don't actually fit into a kingdom. And uh, because of that, there's a spiritual weirdness about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. where, did, where was that in the Garden of Eden? And I really, you know, I, I, there must have been another purpose or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. you know, like, where did that come and, from? And but you, you can mess with viruses. You can genetically alter them. Absolutely. But absolutely. You, can't, you can't determine whether or not they were genetically altered. Absolutely. Like, there's, as, as far as I'm aware, is that there is no way of knowing if a virus has been altered or not. It is genetic code, and as such, we can read that code. We can alter that code. We're actually, we're getting better and better and better at that. Um, but there would be no way to tell that. Um, yeah. But you, you, see, you see a virus that affects the elderly, uh, has a higher incubation period in certain races on the, on the, yeah. on the globe than others, yeah. um, originating, traveling, um, the incubation period is, you know, so 
it, it's yeah. just it's well, nefarious. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, and you know, of course, uh, there's a couple of levels at which this is going on. You know, yeah. there is there's a worldly level of people who are um, attempting to hurt others. Mm-hmm. Okay, absolutely. Is there, that's not in question. Uh, you know. Yeah, there's always going to be folks out there 100%. that power is yeah. important. And, absolutely, yeah. we have enemies, and you know, it, that's that's clear. And then there's a spiritual level as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that spiritual level that, you know, we're called to fight against the principalities and powers of this dark world. Yeah. And um, that's a real thing. So how does that translate into our world? And what does that mean? It's hard to determine. It's hard to sift through what is the, the spiritual battle that's going on and what is the biologic battle and where does it intersect? And it's probably all of the above. It is, and, and we're, we're, you know, we fear the Lord. He gives us wisdom. The idea is that we start to gain understanding and right. then, um, and then apply that understanding appropriately. So, um, you're, you're going in and out of the hospitals in the County. You're seeing what's taking place. Maybe share with some folks what, yeah. what's going on. Oh yeah. It's bizarre. And so, uh, real quick, uh, we will want to field some questions. Uh, I don't have the computer up here. I don't know maybe how we're going to do that, but, uh, We'll figure out uh, how to answer some of your questions as they come along, but let, let's just kind of yeah. do this, and then we'll do that momentarily. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, it, it's I've I've never seen um, hospitals um, operating at this level, so uh, unprecedented, unprecedented in my lifetime. Unprecedented, yeah. absolutely unprecedented. Um, I've been in a number of mass casualty um, uh, situations, including Haiti, uh, right after the earthquake. Yeah. And that's about as close as, as you can get. Sure. Um, where there is, uh, you enter, you know, as you approach the hospital, um, the ones here in Thousand Oaks, so we, of course, there's mobile screening units that are, are being set up. Um, you're greeted by security, uh, PPE gear you have to put on right away. I have an N95 mask that I wear, uh, in the hospital and that's standard policy. Um, Everyone is, it's very empty. So people are very much respectful of, of do I need to be here or not? And I think people are taking the quarantine very seriously. So yeah. you can see that in the hospital. Rightfully so, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we'll field some questions. Um, and then I'm going to share with you kind of what the Lord put on my heart. Because I don't want to keep you guys forever. Um, and I know you want to, I guess, watch the news or get back to the Yahtzee game. I don't know. <laughs> So uh, I'm not sure how we're going to field questions tonight. Do we have uh, the ability to do that up here? Yeah? What? What are we doing? Huh? Oh, I'll turn my phone on. <laughs> They're going to text it to me. <laughs> well, I have it in airplane mode, so it wouldn't ring, but we'll, we'll do that now. We're going old school here. All right. Um, yeah. You wanted to say something? Yeah. I, okay. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, although the hospitals, you know, everything is so bizarre and strange, I really am I'm moved by the opportunities that are here. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, that I, I'm really, I can see that. I see that in the eyes of, of my, you know, patients and colleagues. And, and I think that everyone is very much uh, recognizing the fact that this could bring us together. Yeah. Um, Th- that, that's critical right now because we're starting, I, I really think, um, uh, in in the nation, we've turned a corner. Yeah. Uh, there seems to be a little bit of calm that's starting to settle. Um, although I think if there is a, a, a stay-in-place order, um, it, it's, it's going to create a little bit, you know, shelter-in-place. I think it's going to create a little bit of uh, havoc, but that'll be in California. Um, 
and the, the president is, you know, shutting down travel routes. Um, but I think people have been enjoying spending time with their family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm actually thoroughly enjoying this. I'm talking yeah. to people across the country that are, are reading books that they've been wanting to get to for the longest time. Uh, w w this morning, uh, we got up, at, I rolled out of bed at 9.30. <laughs> and uh, we went out in the backyard, my son and I, and we were sitting in our jacuzzi. And um, my daughter tried to FaceTime us, so we FaceTimed back. And then she started connecting. We had 12 people on FaceTime yeah. all over the state. We were laughing hysterically, yeah. so it's, it's good things. I got a question here. Um, this person says, if this virus is not alive, where does it come from originally? Um, along those lines, I know that's... Uh, oh, that, that's a super good question. And in fact, n no one really knows, actually. It's, um, th that's a, uh, that really is a million-dollar question. Where does that fit into our, our world, and why is it here? I, actually, it's in, in my mind, a, a more interesting question is, why? Yeah. Uh, and how did that be become? Uh, great question. No one knows. No one knows the answer. And, and some viruses can be used for good. Uh, yes. Well, you, we when are beginning to use them for good. We're beginning well, to use them for good, right. This is, this is the, n the next generation of, of medicines and treatments are utilizing what perhaps was intended for evil now for good. So, so the reality is the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. You can yeah. start to understand how a virus works, and right. then you can use it for evil. Uh, so if you have no moral foundation, Amen. you just become a well-educated criminal or Amen. you know ne ne nefarious individual. But right. wisdom is taking that knowledge and using it for the glory of God, for the, for the betterance of, of humanity, um, where you have a moral foundation and you use these things together for good. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, you can be knowledgeable and have no wisdom. Yes. So, so this can be used for good or evil. And it's how we operate with it. Absolutely. It's a tool. It's a tool like any other. Yeah. Uh, I like this question. It says, do you have any insight on development of vaccines, mm. potential timeline? And we heard today chloroquil, yeah. which is oh, yeah. one of yeah. the oldest uh, uh, malaria remedies. It's been out since the 40s. They're yeah. finding that this is curing uh, COVID-19. Yeah. And, and it's, they, they put it on Rapid Express with the FDA. and Yeah. That's super interesting. It I, is. I, I well, there, there's, we have, you, you, think, you think Africa yeah. would be inundated with COVID-19, but they have a, a far smaller outbreak because, you, you know, chloroquyl is very prevalent in the African nations. Well, that's true. Um, that's true. I, I think a lot of that is probably because they don't have the testing. No. That, I, 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 don't, I don't know that. But, I stand correct. That's um, probably true. But, but the vaccine, like the question about the vaccines is a good one. Yeah. Um, because I'm pretty sure that the type of vaccine that they're developing is an mRNA vaccine. Yeah. And, and that's, that's important to note because um, it's um, basically how it works is your, you have DNA and the mRNA serves as the messenger to create the protein. Okay. So what we're doing is we're kind of hijacking the system by creating a, an mRNA strand that will allow the cells to create the uh, antibodies that are required to identify the virus. Is that similar to the, the, the plasma treatment that they're doing that they've have, they have patients that have recovered from COVID-19 and they're 
they're transferring plasma to help with that? It's actually the step before that. Okay. So, so which is really cool. Um, but the and and actually, the, what it means is that the vi the vaccines could theoretically be produced faster than a regular vaccine, which is kind of like a weakened virus or mm -hmm. an inactivated virus. Right. Um, which. So there's a lot of promise there. So, and I know that they've started testing it. Um, I think Seattle is is the first place that they've started. So, okay. uh, timeline, uh, hopefully soon. Uh, the, we, the, but th this president uh, has removed um, all the of the, the barriers, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know, I, I know folks. Uh, I think the hard part, and I think probably um, some frustration, and this is a good this is a good question, is uh, why not go faster? Uh, and part of that has to do with understanding we don't actually understand ourselves. Uh, immunology is, is actually a young science. And uh, because of that, we don't know the effects of a particular vaccine on the treatment or, or the defense of particular viruses. And there have been examples where we've developed a vaccine and it actually made it worse. Yeah. So, so I understand the hesitancy to to just say, well, if we have it, why don't you just give it to yeah. everyone? Yeah. You got to make sure it's right. You just got to make sure it's right. Yeah. That, that, that 100%. Yeah. I'm not sure about this question because I don't. I'm not familiar with this report from the Imperial College. And do you find it reliable? Should we read it? Would you be willing to give a synopsis? I, I I don't know what the report they speak of. I don't know that one in particular. Maybe they sure maybe they can uh, chime back in and yeah. give us a little yeah, whatever, more. Whatever. Yeah, I'm context. not sure. I'm uh, familiar with that particular one. But, yeah. um, the, the the now I I don't have up to date on this. Uh, I I only heard rumor, um, and we're we're live on this live stream, yeah. so it, it may have come up on the television yeah. while we've been talking. But this person says that uh, the governor ordered all California citizens to stay at home. Yeah. Uh, do you think that order will be enforced? Well, uh, I know they're mobilizing the National Guard. Uh, that's that's for certain. Um, I've been seeing pictures all around the state of military vehicles lined up. Yeah. Not sure to how they're going to do that. I don't know all the details. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. You want yeah. to add something? Well, I, yeah. I, I mean, this is kind of different. But I, I'm thinking a lot about my my grandparents survived World War II, um, they lived through the Great Depression. They had amazing stores in their house that I always thought was really funny. They had a pantry of, you know, thousands of cans and, you know, and of corned beef and, you know, and I always, you know, I thought it was cute. Yeah. And now I understand where their wisdom came from. Sure. And I also understand, I'm beginning to understand why they were thankful. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they grew up in... Um, a very different time, a very different place. Um, my grandfather grew up in northern Saskatchewan, which is incredibly cold. They came as immigrants, and um, and they really only survived by community. They only survived by being thankful for each other and yeah. what they had, and under God's direction and guidance. Yeah. And that I've been thinking a lot about that, and I've been thinking a lot about our our church and our church community, yeah. and and how encouraging it is to be together in it that, um, that is so true and you know we, we're not going to run out of food right. that's not the issue it's that we run out of our conveniences and so yeah. people swamp the stores yeah and you have elderly folks that don't have access to any of this and you go to the stores and they've just been wiped out yeah and and it's because we don't want to do without our conveniences and yeah. you know we really have to get back to a community mindset um and we really have to just change our perspective in regards to this. Last night I spoke on 
Matthew 7, uh, and, and Jesus speaking about the storms of life. And, and, um, and it's all dependent on what your foundation's built on. And if our, our foundation is wealth, if our foundation is, you know, our employment or our position in a community, this, this virus, this, this COVID-19 hurricane has eroded that foundation. Uh, but if your foundation is on Christ, it's amazing how you just, you step into serving others and you really don't worry about the things around you. And, and, uh, you you do you do those things to care for others, not yourself, not your conveniences. Um, you live more simply that others might simply live. You you go after the least of these to care for them. And I would encourage folks. Listen, if, if you're if you're tuning in, make sure everybody in your neighborhood's cared for. Uh, folks that you know that just don't have the ability to go shop, go help them. Um, call us. We we've already put that out there. We've gotten a few calls uh, as of today. Uh, folks wanting us to reach out and some volunteers as well. So I'd encourage you to really participate that and, and help the community. Um, let, me, let me just take, I'll, I'll take one more question, then I want to get to the study. Sounds great. All right. Yeah. Uh, what would you as a doctor, and, and then they're asking me as pastor, encourage us as a congregation body of Christ to do during this time? That's a good one. That's a great. We'll close with that one. Oh, my gosh. That's All a right. great question. Okay. Um, I actually, I actually think this time is a blessing. I agree. It's it's a hundred percent a blessing, um, and the the blessing is in the opportunity. So, having one time to pray, and two time to act. Yeah. Uh, to actually to be the hands and feet in your community, just as you were talking about, you've yeah. you've hundred percent nailed it. And I, I think that's a rare gift. Yeah. I mean it. I've often been fighting the battle of, of not having enough time. No, there's not enough hours in the day for me to accomplish the things I want to do, nor to apply the wisdom to be able to do it well. Yeah. And I think now... Read. Amen. <laughs> I, have that, I have that opportunity. And not only do I have that opportunity, I, have, I can pour myself into that and, and to be a blessing. Yeah. I have a stack of books that uh, are just crying out for me. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I, I, I like uh, my, my wife's reading a book called Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. It's actually what, uh, what Dennis Prager said was the second most influential book in his life, second only to the Bible. Uh, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, amazing. Uh, taking my son through uh, Jordan Peterson's book, The 12 Rules for Living. Um, good books out there, pick them up. Start reading. You know, in America, I remember when I was in Uganda and, and uh, all the pastors would want to call you or spend time with you. And, and I said, you know, in America, we have money and no time. In Uganda, you have time and no money. <laughs> and, uh, and, and now we're starting to realize we've got time, time to spend with each other. Uh, the barrenness of a busy life. We've been running from point A to point B. Relish this time. Uh, read with your kids. You probably haven't done that in a while. Just enjoy each other's company. Um, I want to read to you uh, the psalm that the Lord put in my heart. We'll close with this tonight. Um, it's Psalm 49. And it says, uh, if, we'll, if you can tune to it so that they can see it. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding 
I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my riddle saying on the harp. Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For, let's see here, there we go. For the redemption of their souls is costly and it shall cease forever that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. For he sees wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever, their dwelling place to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He's like the beast that perishes. This is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me. And the idea is that the days of evil to others can not be so to me for the presence of God transmutes evil into good. Uh, all things work together for good with those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And you see a contrast between two lives one who trusts in riches and wealth and the things of this world, their name, honor, and the other that trusts in the Lord. I like what a couple of authors, and I just, I didn't have time to put it all together, so I just put a few thoughts here. Uh, one says, one can know if he puts his trust in his wealth, if he finds too much peace and security by his accounts and holdings, and if he despairs when such things decline. Quick question for you. Is this overwhelming? Has the stock market devastated you? Look, I know you lost money. Everybody has. But has this just put you into a great depression? You know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We, we start to measure our response to the, to the storm to see what the foundation's made of. It's a good question to ask yourself. What loss in life would most trouble me, material or spiritual? In general, God's answer to these things for the rich is to practice radical generosity, a way for them to declare their trust in the Lord and to guard against a boast in their riches. When you're serving others, your life is rich. Amen? Amen. Uh, the psalmist revealed the great limitation of the idolatry of trusting and boasting in material wealth this idol is of no help in the spiritual world. Money itself can't rescue a soul because redemption of their souls is costly. That is beyond the ability of material things to purchase. And I love this. The redemption of their souls is a spiritual work accomplished only by God's atoning sacrifice. And in this psalm, if you notice, the word redeem and ransom was used. The ransom picture is doubly appropriate since being held to ransom is as much a hazard of the very rich as redemption is the need of the very poor. You don't, you don't hold the poor in, for a ransom, right? right? But the rich need redemption. We're on the slave block in a sense. So we need to be redeemed and the rich need to be ransomed. And the Lord's done it for both. 
he has a way of humbling us so that we realize we need him. If you're troubled, you're overwhelmed, then the question is, what have you been trusting in? The beauty of, and the silver lining, and we've been doing this every night that we've had the chance to spend together. The beauty of it is, this storm has washed away all the chaff. What are you standing upon? This is a chance to be reconnected with God. This idea of redemption, ransom, the Lord paid the price for you. He, he's come to reconcile you. As, as Dr. Evans, Robin said, why me, right? Here you had a, a party and guy in Toronto who divorced parents and no, no aspirations, a dropout. And God gets a hold of your heart. Well, granted, through the beauty of, uh, <laughs> of, a, of a woman. <laughs> but he gets a hold of your heart. And now you are an instrument in our community for redemption and ransom to, to bless people's lives. You're an instrument of good. You're an instrument of life. You're an instrument of hope. Only God. Amen. And it's never too late. Absolutely not. I don't know what else to tell you. If, if that's not an illustration of how critical having a relationship with the Lord is and to be able to see in the midst of this trial the hope that awaits you, give your life to the Lord. Call on him. He'll show you great and mighty things you know not of. He has a wonderful plan for your future. You're his poema, his workmanship. Allow yourself to be placed in his hands and watch as he takes all of your past, no matter how, how tragic, and makes it a treasure for the present and the future. God has a way of taking our ashes and making them beautiful. Let him do that with your life. You've had a chance to really see what matters in your life dependent on your worries. And now you can settle down because the Lord is here. And he's only as far away as a prayer. Lord, help me. You know, the Syrophoenician woman with a demon-possessed daughter came to the Lord and it says that she worshiped him. And she only said three words. And you don't need to worship with music. The three words that she worshiped the Lord with were these. Lord, help me. He did. He healed her daughter. He helped her. Call on the name of the Lord. Say, Jesus, help me. I, I, I need to be saved. I'm caught in this storm of COVID-19 and, and everything in my life has been washed away. I need you. He'll meet you wherever you are. And he says that he is a strong tower and the righteous run into him. He's a savior. He can save to the uttermost. You call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me. You'll be placed in the Father's hand. No man will remove. It'll be a firm foundation. It'll be the rock of Christ upon which you'll build a future that will be much like your own. You'll no longer be self-consumed. Watch as the futility of your life washes away. You'll, you'll now be standing on a rock serving others and blessing a community in the midst of the storm. It's a fun place to be. And there's a peace about it. So let the Lord minister to your heart. Call on him. He'll save you. He loves you. He always has. He always will. I'm going to close in prayer tonight. Let's all bow our heads together and pray. Lord, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for the comfort. We thank you that you save to the uttermost. 
And you declare that all the people are to hear and to give ear, all the inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. God, you've spoken wisdom to us tonight through Psalm 49. You've given our heart understanding as we started to realize that you redeem and ransom. You ransom the rich and you redeem the poor. You have this unbelievable ability to meet us wherever we are. Riches aren't a bad thing, but when we trust in them, we lose sight of what's important in life. Money to a king of money is the king of this world, but it isn't in the next. Lord, you you want us to be servants. You say if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a servant of all. We pray for our first responders. I want to lift up to you. Dr. Robin and, and all of the doctors and nurses, uh, medical workers in our community. We're thankful for the truck drivers and the grocery store workers that are just burning the candle at both ends trying to keep these shelves stocked in the midst of self-induced fear. Lord, we pray, pray for our government leaders for wisdom. Um, and for those that would have nefarious and, and evil intentions, Lord, thwart them. For those that apply this knowledge to wisdom that want to honor you and serve mankind and not to gain power. Lord, we pray that you would allow them to rise and those that would have uh, evil intent. Lord, let that be revealed and let their efforts come to nothing. God, we pray for protection for our community. We pray for provision. Bless the sick, heal them, we pray. Lord, give wisdom to those who are seeking a cure. And Lord, we pray for our president and all of our leaders. Lord, I pray for our Mayor, Mayor Al Adam. He's done such a good job. Pray for him. We pray for our county sheriff as um, a lot of this is on him and our, our county supervisors. And so, Lord, we pray for our governor and our legislators, for all that would govern in this time of crisis. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. God bless you guys. And we'll be here tomorrow night at 7. And I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll have something fun for you. <laughs> I, what, I called you at like 5.30? Yeah. yeah. yeah there you go. Perfect. All right. God bless you guys. Signing off now.